Welcome to Macedonian Postcards. Dobrodojdovte vo Makedonske razglednica. My name is David Belidis. Ja sum Dragi Spasovski. And we're your hosts for this show. It's brought to you by Izvor Music. You can look at our website at izvormusic.com. That's spelled I-Z-V-O-R, music.com. Today's podcast is from Kumanovsko. And the song is Moma Ore Zeleni Livadi. from Kumanovsko, which means the region of Kumanovo area, and I cannot tell exactly what side of Kumanovo is, because this was not my mom's song. I remember she learned the song from her sister, my aunt Sofka, and I can clearly see that now. My aunt was visiting us, and she knew that my mother was going to make a radio recording attempt. And she said, I can teach you a few songs. I know a few songs. She was not a singer herself. But, you know, you don't have to be a singer to know some songs that people have learned from somebody in the family or the neighborhood or while growing up in the village by friends. So she told my mom a couple of songs. And one of the songs was Moma Ore Zeleni Livadi. And the second one was Poidavenka uh, Upalanka. did not record this song at her first attempt of radio recordings. She did record the song a little bit later. I remember when the song Boma Ores Eleni Livadi was on the program, radio program, broadcasting. My aunt, the first time she visited us after this song was programmed in the air, she said, hey, I heard this song. I said, it sounds beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. And you reminded me she had learned the song from her uh, father-in-law, her husband's father. It reminded me of that all, I don't remember the name, but that was her father-in-law. And it meant a lot to her. You know, it brought her way back when she was young. She just started talking about the time. It got me back to the village. She lived in Kumanovo, in the city, but she learned the song in the village, Klechovce, where she was actually born and married to a guy in Klechovce. She just started talking about Klechovce, the time when her and my mother were children, and just, you know, revoking memories, reviving 
their childhood. The point was one song, how much of meaning had to my aunt. Again, to my mother, it was just a song, but not just a song, it was a song given by her sister. She was happy that she recorded a song that made very happy her sister. It pleased her a lot. At that time, I did not really understand why was it so important. But now when I go back, I can see why. Because, you know, that song was part of somebody's life. Mm -hmm. It meant a whole period of their life. And it was connected to something which remained for the rest of their life. Uh, the, in the memory of, for the rest of their lives. The Sige, the context of the song, is about how jealous people can be, how envious people can be of the success of others. Unlike, you know, songs where people are glorifying somebody's bravery, somebody's uh, heroism in the war, in the battle, or how somebody was obsessed with a very strong love for a girl or some other passion doesn't have to be love is passion. You know, work can be passion too. Unlike, you know, those themes in the songs, this one is, again, taken from life, but different side of life. The envy of the people in the village. The song is about a young maid who had a pair of ox and she was plowing the fields and sowing rye, and silver was coming up from the ground. So they envied her that she was capable of doing that, and they were not doing that, so went to the Kaimekam, which is a Turkish noble who was to serve the justice, and to complain, and he also was curious, and he said, you go ahead, and take her uh, ox and bring them over here, thinking that it was the ox who produced, you know. Oh, he thought the oxen produced the silver? Yes. So that's the theme of the song. Is that how it ends? It does how it ends. And most probably they did go and took the oxen and got them to the Kaimakam just to harm the young lady because of being so jealous, envious, because she was getting something that they could not get out of the field. An interesting thing is that when my mother recorded this song, she was distributed, in quotation marks, to go and record with the Chalgia Orchestra. I don't know if I have told you, David. I'm sure I haven't told the listeners. Radioscopia had a music arranger who would listen to the song first listen to the singer singing the song that is going to be recorded, and he would determine whether the song is to be accompanied by Chalgia, Narod Instrumenti, or Naruden Orchestra, which is a classic instrument. For some reason, they send her to record the song with Chalgia. And Kumano region, and Kumano itself, even though it's a city, does not have many Chalgia sounds, many Chalgia songs. And so far, nobody from those singers coming from Kumano and Kumano region has recorded, I'm sorry, I do apologize, correct myself, 
almost nobody, because the very first person who recorded for Radioscopie from that region, Stoina Dilindarska, recorded only with Chalgia. Huh. And it was unusual. Now, when I listen of her voice inside of my mind, I still wonder why was she sent to record with Chalgia uh, Orchestra. And this song is... Um, it doesn't really sound much of Chalgia. No. But then again, she was uh, sent. Chalgia's so songs are very specific. Some songs which have this very typical, specific Chalgia sound, they cannot go and be recorded with Narod Instrumenti. They might pass with the urban city, the classical instruments, Narodin orchestra, but definitely not with the Narodni instrument, which is Kaval, Gaida, Tambura. No. Like, for instance, if you go, Sante to voda, Janna me sode vestomnina, Zemieni, sode vaibrika serebreni. You can tell it's slower. It has this specific rhythm. Tum, tum, pa, tum, pa. Okay, this is 11. That's why it has tum, tum, pa. But, you know, the other ones, it does have a different sound. It distinguishes itself from the regular uh, urban city singing and especially the village uh, country style singing. And the Chalgia melody you just sang, for example, it has a much wider vocal range exactly it's uh, yeah yes that's another thing which uh, not very often can be seen with countryside right music. yeah you can see that uh, in the urban uh, group of songs but not with the country songs there is some but not so many not so many and yes the range can really go high up and or low down so it's like in this song for instance yeah yeah to go back to the song for some reason she was sent I remember she liked it, actually. She liked, you know, the sound of Chalgia. And she was well-received by the musicians in the band. And, uh, and later on, she did record a couple of more songs with Chalgia, but most of her repertoire was with Narodni Instrumenti. Do you know the name of the person who had that, what seems like a lot of power to decide what kinds of instrumentation will be recorded for all of posterity for each of these songs? Uh, well, there was not only one person. Oh, it was a yeah, there position. Was only one at the time. No, only one at the time. For instance, I remember the, the very first one was Blagoj Ivanovsky. He was a composer. Uh, then was Zhivko Firfov. Zhivko Firfov was recording everybody to make his own collection of the songs. Later on, there was the famous uh, flute player Ivan Terziev. 
he stopped playing the music, unfortunately, because of health reasons, even though his flata, his flute, was talking, not uh, playing music. That's how skillfully he was controlling the sound. Uh, his Berovka and Ratevka sounds are really, once you hear them, you remember them for the rest of your life. in charge of uh, receiving the new uh, singers, and not only the new singers, but of the new songs being introduced uh, for recording, and he would determine this is what that. He was very good at that, actually. That, that was his uh, full-time job. Uh-huh. And he, he devoted completely himself into that business, and he was very successful. And after that, I don't know. Mate Gryovsky was there, and Mate also was very good. He was very good, yeah. Mate was not only a music uh, producer, he was a music arranger, he was, he was the one trying to find new singers, he was trying to find a right singer for the right song, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he did a good job, very good job, a while working for the Radio Skopje as one of the leading people in the folk music department of Radio Skopje. So these people who who did the producing and the choosing, did they also do the arrangement? Did they choose the instrumental break melodies, for example, or was that left up to the orchestra members? Only Ivan Terziev did that. Only he did that, and what he did actually it was a partial. He was notating the, only the uh, the the song, the melody. The melody. He was putting down the notes of the. He was not supposed to because uh, the leader of the band always, when you go to the band that you were introduced to, they would always make a correction of a note here and there or add something, or take out something. But the interlude was always arranged by the leader of the band. The band leader, right. The band leader, Right, yes. okay, okay. Yeah, so so were, you, were you or your mother ever asked to change a melody that you brought in because the band leader didn't like a certain note? <laughs> uh, yes. Really? Yes. Yes. Uh, there was a song that... I brought as Angelino Maloimome, Angelino Maloimome, Doididame, Menevidish, Doididame, Menevidish. And then the band changed the the melody. So I introduced the melody, and they were, this is with the, the traditional uh, instruments band, 
which is a city band. So they made the notation and they recorded the music. When I went to the studio to record my vocal, and I said, this is not the same melody. Okay, I picked it up immediately. But it was not the same melody, and this is how it sounds. not record this particular piece with the band simultaneously. You came in after they had already laid down the, their version. With this orchestra, the Narodin Orchestra, which is traditional, the classical instruments, accordion, clarinet, flute, bass, and so forth. I remember recording directly with them alive in the studio, but then for a longer period, for a longer time, everybody was recording on Matriza, which is a soundtrack. So they would record the music on their own, and you go by yourself in the studio, put the earphones, and record the, uh, ah, the vocal. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but with the other ones, with the Narod instrument and Chalgia, no, all the recordings were live. Everybody was in the studio. Oh, so only for the Narodin instruments. Only for the Narodin okay. orchestra. Excuse me, Narodin orchestra. Yes, with the Narodin orchestra, that's how it used to be. So that's why I said when I walked into the studio and put on the earphones and I hear, oh, that doesn't sound my, <laughs> my sound. Yeah. So what did you do? Did you adapt to their melody? or did Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, immediately. Yeah, it actually, it took one or two times to rehearse. Yeah, and it went fine. It went fine. You've been listening to Macedonian Postcards brought to you by easevormusic.com. Слушавте Македонска разгледница, представено от izvormusic.com Where your hosts, David Belidis и Драги Спасовски. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Благодариме, што бевте со нас и до слушанието.